Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastermonico, Katie Hill, and Kieran Deal join to ask the following questions. Should Democrats be worried about losing the House? Is a deathbed confession enough to atone for years of damage? How do you cope with uncertainty when your ability to make plans has been taken away? All this and more right now. When the news is bad, I know that it is tempting for me to tune out, but I also know that sometimes examining bad news and figuring out how to learn from it is a good thing. So with that, Alyssa Mastermonico and I are starting this week's show with a conversation with former California Representative Katie Hill. Katie resigned from her seat last October and in a special election last week, a Republican won. Bummer. So where do we go from here? Let's ask Katie. Welcome, Katie Hill. Welcome back to Hysteria. We're so happy to have you back. Glad to be back. Thank you. First of all, um, how are you doing? Oh, man, Uh, that's like a loaded question, I feel like. But, um, you know, I'm I'm okay. The results of the election were pretty horrible. And, um, you know, in a way, it was kind of what we were expecting. um, But you obviously didn't ever want that. And, um, and, you know, it's just it's just like one thing on top of another in life and and figuring out a way to get up and brush yourself off and move forward. So mm-hmm. I was I was a kid uh, when I was a kid. I rode horses. I still own a horse. And the biggest thing that you were taught was when you fall off, you get back up and get right back on. Um, and that's just kind of, I guess, what life is. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, drilling down into that trauma a little bit. The <laughs> last week was was the special election in California's 25th. For everyone listening, uh, what happened and were you surprised? Uh, when you say what happened, do you mean why did we lose or? What- yeah, yeah, why'd you lose? Why did, why, did, why did she lose? Yeah, well, I think the biggest factor, honestly, is just people in a special election, Democrats don't show up and you've got the, the red, um, 
you know, Republican base that was particularly riled up because of my scandal and excited for the opportunity to take the seat back. I mean, that was that was literally what they were plotting. They were trying to, you know, to to find something. They they found something. They exploited it. They got me to resign and they saw this as their opportunity to um, take back the seat that they felt was stolen from them in the first place. Remember, it hadn't been held by a Republican ever in its current form. Um, and they really did not think that it was possible for someone like me, let alone any Democrat, to win there. Um, so I think that they really, really rallied around this opportunity. And from what we know, they actually did some very, despite the fact that you hear them complain all the time about ballot harvesting, um, they had some very organized efforts around ballot harvesting and, um, you know, good for them for figuring it out because like, you know, that's, it's, to me, it's, it's about helping people be able to vote, but the churches were really mobilized, um, in getting people to, you know, providing drop-off centers and saying that they're going to mail them for you. So if you swing by the church and, you know, do it in your car or whatever. Um, and I, we just didn't have something like that. And I think you can also, partly attribute it to the fact that Democrats were, were pretty disenchanted by things, right? Like you're, you gotta be really, really frustrated to have worked so hard and felt like you were finally, and, and this is what I heard over and over was that you felt like you were finally represented and, um, to have that all go away so quickly is, um, is really disenchanting. Mm hmm should okay so there was a special election in california's 25th there was a special election in wisconsin's 7th we both know that you know these are anecdotal elections and every district is different but you can still kind of extrapolate things on a maybe on a larger scale from this like do you think that democrats should see what happened in your former seat special election as a wake-up call i do um i think that it shows that you know remember mine was one of the quote-unquote safest swing seats, right? Hillary Clinton won by seven. I won by nine. Um, this isn't one of the seats that should have been at risk. So what it means is that, you know, depending on what things are looking like in November, especially depending on the energy that's coming from the right, then, uh, you know, districts like the ones that we flipped that were, um, you know, that were ones that, that Trump won by 16 points are really, really ones we need to watch out for. Um, so we shouldn't give up um, or stop paying attention to the House just because the Senate is looking like it's within reach or um, obviously we want the presidency. Uh, so, you know, that, to me, that's the biggest wake-up call, first and foremost. The second is that as we are adapting to this mail-in strategy, how are we doing that, right? Field is what has been our strongest, most important get-out-the-vote effort, right? And that's modified. I don't think we should give up on it altogether, and I think the Republicans didn't give up on it altogether. Um, they, have a, they have a different base of people who they can go to and they can, you know, reliably answer that will reliably answer their phones and that they can, um, you know, get to do things like drop-off ballots at churches. But we're going to have to modify field programs um, to, to, frankly, make sure people know how to vote uh, by mail when they have many, many of them have never done it before, especially in these kind of lower turnout areas um, to begin with, which are usually the most democratically held. Katie, beyond even just mail-in, how do we re-engage the Democrats that helped you win by nine points when now they're also facing the pandemic, childcare challenges, unemployment, and things that are just like so catastrophic? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think, well, I am hopeful that the loss actually was a wake up call for a lot of people. Um, 
that might've thought like, Oh, well the seat will be fine. Um, now they're like, okay, I have really have to vote part of, I mean, honestly, I think that the, the district itself is democratic leaning enough now that if we get the turnout that, you know, is usually expected in a November election, I think she will win. Um, and you know, we saw that, we saw that happen with the Ossoff special when Lucy McBath won in the general. Um, and I think we're going to see that in this case. Um, but it's still, uh, you know, it's something that can't be taken for granted. And in terms of the support that I had, like the, the volunteers who mobilized around it, I think that's the, that's going to be the same thing, right? Is how do you figure out ways of, um, ways of getting involved that may not mean moving, you know, leaving your house. Um, and how do we get people excited about it? And, um, especially when the Senate isn't in play in California and the, um, you know, the, obviously the electoral votes are going to be there for Joe Biden, no matter what. So I think, I think what it has to be is like, maybe, you know, maybe the approach isn't like, gee, let's get so excited about getting the seat back because like that, that ship has sailed. I think maybe it's more like, Oh, you motherfuckers. Hell no. And stand up and take what's ours. Uh Um, Okay. You said the word motherfuckers. Let's expand on that a little bit because uh, (laughs) we, we chatted briefly about this, uh, about this race and how personal it was to you and how personal it was considering the person who ended up winning the seat. Can you talk a little bit about the people who helped uh, promote uh, Christy Smith's opponent? Sure. So the first person, the the first um, slew of images that came out was through the publicly came out was through um, red state is online. Mm-hmm. And these are Im- images of you that were released without your consent that ended right. up leading. taken without my consent, taken, taken without your consent. Got it. Um, and the only person that could have done that was my ex-husband, and, although he's denied it. Um, and so it's a, it, so that started at red state. The person who published those, you know, who, who was the investigative reporter doing that, um, has been a longtime Republican, you know, operative in the region who, who writes, I guess, on the side. Um, I honestly don't really know what I, I know that writing is, is, is not a full time thing for her. Um, and she had worked for one of my previous opponents. She had worked for Steve Knight in the past. And the day after the day after I resigned, she endorsed Mike Garcia. Um, there were a number of other people who were involved. Like, I mean, and, and again, this is information that's circling through like Facebook groups and through, you know, uh, the random people that are on the ground. And it's not, it's not like a NIF or a court case or anything like that, but so many of the people who were supporting Mike Garcia from the beginning were the ones that we knew had the photos. Um, and some of that is, is actually on blogs that are still posted out there with a Joe Messina and, and things like that. So I think, um, for me, that, that was the, the biggest thing, right? Like it was, mm-hmm. it was clear that Mike Garcia was the favorite before all of this came out. Um, he was, he was a good candidate to begin with. I mean, he's got the, the fighter pilot background. He's, which is really, really great for our district. And I think that's one thing that hurt Christie was that they were able to use, um, you know, something that she said that was not, it was, it was unfair that they used it, but they still did saying that she was making fun of his background, uh, as, as a fighter pilot. And then on top of that, he was, you know, he's got a, he, he's a Mexican American and he's got a Latino last name and, and with a district that's heavily Latino, that might matter. So, um, th- there were those things, but yeah, it was, it was all of the people on the ground that were involved in, in my husband getting the images out there, then them 
making that into the the national scandal that it was um were the ones behind garcia in the first place and and um you know i don't think that garcia himself had anything to do with it uh but it's still it's still you know pretty painful mm-hmm is there a world, given that, is there a world where you would re-enter politics again beyond the kind of behind-the-scenes role that you're taking now? It's hard to imagine wanting to do that, uh, honestly. Um, I, I'm, I'm still pretty young, right? I'm 32. I went into and left Congress before I turned 33. I think that, like, there's, there's a lot of time left in my life, and hopefully, fingers crossed, Um, but it's not, it's not something I foresee in the immediate future at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, and, and not for, you know, not for my own purposes, I guess, as much as it is like, I don't need to open that back up my family for, you know, anybody else. So if, if something comes up where it feels right and I feel like the, you know, the support is there and I have the emotional and mental capacity to to do it then i'm i'm open to it right but mm-hmm. that, that time isn't now um and i before uh before we wrap i want to end on a on an up note um what have you been doing during this strange stay-at-home time that has made you happy or that has at least given you some like release and catharsis okay well before the election i was like pretty, well, I I was writing my book. I finished my book. Oh, congrats, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, so that kept me pretty busy. And then, um, and then I got a kitten and I'm so (gasps) glad I got the kitten before I got the, uh, before I got the bad news. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then I, um, afterwards though, I like, I took two days of just like not wanting to do anything except for get off the couch. And then I got on the scale and I was like, Oh no. And so <laughs> since then I've been very motivated to cook and work out. And I decided, I was like, I have nothing else to do right now. Like I, this is the only time in my life that I can think of where I'm not totally busy, where I have zero excuses not to be able to cook and work out. Like there's no time reason that I can't do this. And I'm like, I'm just like, before we come out, of hiding again, like I'm going to be in good shape. That's my, that's my, (laughs) (laughs) look, it worked for Sarah Connor in Terminator two. So why can't it work for all (laughs) of us? I make this reference all the time, but I find her to be an inspiration and I'm excited that you're Linda Hamiltoning. That's a, (laughs) that's great news, Katie. Um, well, thank, thank you so much for stopping by. Um, you know, we're sorry about the election, but we're looking forward to winning it back with you in November and helping Christy Smith be the new Congressman for the 25th. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Aaron. Uh, I learned a new word this week. What word did you learn? It is lethologica. What does that mean? Lethologica means being unable to remember what word you're looking for. So like if you know what you mean, but you can't remember it. The funny thing is I've been trying to remember Lethologica all week to bring it up and I keep forgetting it. And it is very ironic. I'm so glad there's a word for that other than early onset dementia. Well, now that you know the word, you're going to keep forgetting it. And every time you forget the word, Lethologica. Next to, every Lethologica. time you, I mean, I've, I repeated it like 10 times to myself the first time I learned it and I keep forgetting it. And it's Leth. 
Lethologica. I, I, re- I learned the word thundercunt. <laughs> oh, really? I have a sweatshirt that says yeah. thundercunt on it. Yeah, I didn't know that word before this, this week. I learned that this week. It's a good word. I think that the um, the vowel sounds really make it feel like like rhythmic and musical almost. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds actually better than what it is. It sounds like a German word, like a really fun German word, like wunderbar, thundercunt. Right. Wunderbar. Thundercunt. <laughs> Thundercunt. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of thundercunts, uh, let's, yeah. let's get into this. Um, so uh, there was a, one of those news stories that came out this week that made me go, well, well, hmm. well, 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 well. <laughs> um, Among my all time favorite Aaron tweets. Well, well, well. <laughs> and I always know what you're talking you about. You always so. know what I'm talking I mean, I always know it's, if, it's usually pretty obvious, but well, 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 well. Okay. So, um, here's what I'm well, well, welling about this week. There is a documentary coming out on FX called AKA Jane Rowe, and it will be released, I think on Friday of this week, but I'm sure it'll be available for streaming after that. And the subject of AKA Jane Rowe is Norma McCorvey, who was, uh, Jane Rowe in Roe v. Wade. So she was, she was anonymized in Roe v. Wade. She was the original plaintiff in a case that ended up um, making abortion legal in the, in the U.S. Um, in 1995, Norma McCorvey had uh, come out publicly as very against abortion. And she became a sort of champion of the anti-abortion, the, the nut job like level of anti-abortion, like Operation Rescue type stuff. And uh, she, in this new documentary, she makes a, a deathbed confession where she admits that she only pretended to be anti-abortion because she was getting paid. I'm going to read the quote. She stated, I was the big fish. I took their money and they put me out in front of cameras and tell me what to say. And that's what I would say. It was all an act. I did it well, too. I'm a good actress. Well, well, well. Alyssa, what do you, well, 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 what do you make of this? I mean, what is there to even make of it? Like what fucking hot trash garbage? I mean, this woman clearly has a lot of problems, right? She, well, she's dead now for one thing. She's also dead. Right. The main problem. RIP. Yeah, I guess. Um, but I mean, she really galvanized some fucking lunatics I mean, like, think about, it's like, it was like she found fucking God, right? And she comes out and she's like, I'm against abortion. And it's just, it was so motivating for uh, the people who had been waiting for this, uh, you know, someone to be their sort of like, you know, ace in the hole. I don't even know, I don't even know what to fuck say about the it. Ringer? it so, they're ringer. And, and so, you know, so she makes a deathbed confession. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's good. I mean, I guess she didn't want to take that to the grave. I'm, I'm guessing she got paid for the documentary too. I don't know. But, um, uh, I mean, I guess rest in peace, the basket of lies. Yeah. It seems like she, I was thinking about this as just this real exercise in people just believing whatever they want to believe. Um, like, so, you know, Norma McCorvey was a big draw for the anti-abortion set. And since 
this has come out that this documentary contains this deathbed confession where she admits she was paid. Um, some, some knucklehead signed me up for like operation rescues newsletter. So <laughs> I, I get it. Um, which jokes on you idiots. Cause I would have subscribed anyway, because that stuff is important to know if you uh, are on the opposite side. Um, but in the newsletter, they're like vehemently denying that they ever paid her. They're calling her a liar. And it's sort of one of those things that like, I would like to believe that, I mean, given the, given the options, I would like to believe that it was all an act and she was doing it because she was getting paid. I would like, I would have liked her to just remain pro-choice for the duration of her life. Yes. But given what actually happened, I'm, you know, my inclination is to believe like, yeah, of course she got paid. Of course she said whatever they wanted her to say. People on the operation right. rescue side are like, that didn't happen. And people who agree with them anyway are not going to be like, I, I feel like it's one of those things that we're never going to really know for sure. Right. Unless there's like a, a trail of like Don Jr. style emails that are like, <laughs> would you like to do a crime? Yes. I would like to be paid to pretend to be, <laughs> reminder. I am pretending. Great. Keep pretending. We like the pretending. Here's some money. Like give, barring that there's never going to be any conclusion about what she really believed and who really paid her and for what. And in the meantime, she did a lot of damage. So I hope she had some fun with that money that she allegedly got paid. I mean, I want to see the, I want to watch the documentary now because I will say the the trailer that I watched was not, um, it made her, it made it seem like she thought this was all quite sort of funny at the end of the day, or like that she really got away with something. And, um, I, I guess I need to see that she understands it was a little bit more serious than the way that uh, trailer sort of portends. Yeah. It's not like a catch me if you can type situation. Exactly. It's not like, <laughs> oh, like look at the girl scout prank. <laughs> look at this, this rascal. I got my badge. <laughs> look at this little, uh, this little rapscallion getting, getting up there and endangering the rights <laughs> of millions of women. You pranked us. That's a great prank. Maybe we need to like have a universal declaration of what a prank is and isn't like, this is, if you're hurting people, it's this not, is a, not prank. a prank. It's not cute. This is, <laughs> this is this is not like when we stole all the for sale signs from around town and put them on the high school's front lawn for our speaker <laughs> I think we did that too. It's so dumb because it was like it's not for, it's very upstate. It's it's very rural. I think we stole <laughs> yeah. we stole for sale signs also one time and yeah. But the thing is, like, <laughs> it sort of made me think like the the anti-abortion thing. I mean, she didn't end up having an abortion. Um, McCorvey wanted to have an abortion when she was pregnant with her third child. She ended up giving birth to the child and, um, I think it, uh, and and giving the child up for adoption. Yeah. And then after it all, you know, because court cases take forever and it's, you know, if you're the one suing for right to an abortion, you're not going to get that abortion. But, um, so she never had one and it just sort of, there are so many women who would have liked to have one earlier in their pregnancy or would have right. liked to not have to lose a job or, you know, drive six hours. And man, this isn't just something that you, I, I just find it really morally repugnant for her to have taken the money in the first place. And I, I find it yucky that she is now thinking, now thinks it's kind of funny or thought it was funny at the that's, end of her life. I mean, I got, I got to watch it because I mean, it's really, that's the part that really I found upsetting is that she, she, at least in the, what I saw, seems to think this was somehow like 
jinky scoob, we got away with it. You know, <laughs> like it's a little fucking more serious than that. No, no. I mean, yeah, she's sort of like the Kaiser Soze of fucking with my body, which is not, co- <laughs> which is not cool. It's not cool. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll watch the documentary too, because it does sound like a really interesting subject. Um, yeah. And what, Lying. I mean, what else am I going to do? I'm stuck indoors. I mean, something to look forward to, I guess. Yeah. I yeah, I guess. Um, do you want to do a quick toast roast? Let's fucking roast some people. I got, I got a roast aside from. Do a roast. Okay. So this week, Elon Musk, who sucks, like there's no debate about whether or not he sucks. He is like the cartoonish billionaire that I think should, I think we should eat him is what I think we should do. He's awful. But Elon Musk tweeted this week that he wants to take the red pill. Uh, Red pill, Ah. which is a reference to uh, the Matrix where, you know, um, Morpheus offers Neo two pills. The red pill reveals the truth and the blue pill returns him to his delusional state of being plugged in as a battery. Anyway, uh, but the red pill since the Matrix came out has become internet shorthand for a misogynist, anti-feminist, kind of woman-hating He-Man club culture. And uh, yeah, so he tweeted that. Um, Ivanka Trump, quote tweeted, taken. Um, And I just want to roast her a little bit for that. Exclamation point. Taken. Exclamation point. Ivanka Trump, first of all, I don't, I think that if she knew what that meant, she wouldn't have tweeted that, which means that she's just like, so she's so dumb. She's like the the dumbest, least cool elder millennial that I can imagine. Um, she, she, and also, you know, it's, she tweeted taken, she doesn't know what she's doing. Uh, and even if she does know what she's doing, I feel like that's maybe a more honest expression of her feminist beliefs than anything, because she's never, ever stood up for women who are not exactly like Ivanka Trump or interested in purchasing an Ivanka Trump knockoff handbag. Um, I just, she, I don't know what else there is to say about her. She's just. No, I mean, so here's the thing. I'm going to be honest for some of our older listeners who have never been on Reddit before. Um, when I saw this, I was like, God, she's so stupid. Like, cause I was thinking like the matrix. I'm like, what is she even talking about? But then you had to explain to me what it means on Reddit. So like, just give two sentences for people who don't understand what the red pill is. Sure. The red pill is, um, Forums online refer to the red pill as a lifestyle that uh, ignores the humanity of women. It's like seduction, um, involuntary celibate. Like it's a sort of world of internet sludge where people who don't understand why nobody wants to fuck them blame everybody but themselves basically. Mm. Um, exclamation. Yeah. But I mean, I guess the best way to sum up this whole story is one of the directors of the matrix responded to Ivanka's Trump with fuck both of you. (laughs) I didn't see that. That's awesome. Pretty funny. So that's, that's my roast for the week. Ivanka Trump, uh, continuing to be extremely the worst and, uh, Elon Musk also moving up in the power ranking of billionaires that I plan on eating first that um you really have satisfied my need to roast this week because you know how I feel about Ivanka but the other thing I just have to add about how stupid she is is that I don't know about you but when I go to Twitter and I don't know exactly what someone's saying but I think I do I definitely like look I search I read the thread before I like quote tweet anything doubling down on it 
And she's the senior advisor, not only like the fucking president's kid, which is really all she is, but she is a senior advisor in the White House who did something so dumb and nobody knows what she meant by it. And it's just like, again, I just go back in time and like, imagine if someone did that when Barack Obama was president, it would be, uh, it would have, but everyone was just like, there goes Ivanka again. (laughs) Fucking dumb bitch. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And let's end on the dumb bitch for roast this week. Um, Let's take a quick break. We come back. Alyssa, stick around. We'll be joined by one more panelist and we'll get into a longer discussion about making plans in an era where plans don't exist. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito. <laughs> not Not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. And we're back. We've reached the part of the show where there's three of us instead of two of us. I guess that's the distinctive thing right now. Alyssa still is with me in New York in one square over from me on my screen. And in the other square, we have Kieran Deal. Welcome back, Kieran. It feels like it's been way too long. I know. It feels like it's been a a whole 65 to 100 million days of quarantine. (laughs) Um, You live alone and you look great. What's your secret? Uh, That this was all I had to do for the whole day. So (laughs) I have nowhere else to be. I have nowhere else to do. This is the earliest I've been up in weeks. 
In weeks? Oh, in weeks. In How weeks. late do you normally sleep to? Like I wake up at like, I like go to bed at like four in the morning and my natural, like, I think my natural schedule around no other human beings, this is, this is bad. And I shouldn't out myself as like four in the morning. And then I wake up at like noon. Um, wow. So Whoa. this is like, to me, this, this is like five in the morning for me, you guys. <laughs> It is nine forty. I was gonna say it's like you're. It's like I feel like it's like you're catching an international flight to nowhere. I literally feel like I'm in Beijing right now. So, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that that segues well into kind of what I wanted to talk about. My plan for today. Plan. My plan. Yeah. Plan. The a couple of weeks ago, Akila Hughes, host of What a Day and friend to all humanity, um, tweeted about how her coping mechanism is to make plans. And I have never smashed the like button so fast in my life um, because the hardest one of the hardest things about being on a lockdown or you know stay at home order with no end date set has been that that coping mechanism has been taken away. Like the ability to make plans isn't there anymore. And, you know, one thing, and and I don't, I don't want to like harp on a wedding because we've already discussed this, but, you know, we canceled our wedding and we were thinking about rescheduling it to 2021. But before we made plans, we started talking about it and it's like 2021 might not be okay either. Like we can't, Mm. we can't make plans. Um, Can't make plans to go on a vacation. Can't make plans to go see your family. Um, Kieran, have you found that, plans kind of evaporating has been something that's impacted you during this time. I'm still hung up on the phrase, quote, I don't want to harp on a wedding. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it, I mean, a wedding's a, I, I know you guys have talked it's about it. It's a big deal. You're deal. allowed to harp. It's, it's, you can harp. You can harp a little on a wedding. I, yeah, I think it's are, a bummer. There are other examples of plans that people can't, you know, follow through with. Like graduations, I, people have had, you know, their entire lives looked forward to graduating from high school or college and thought yeah. of themselves class of 2020. And then they don't get to celebrate it. Like I, I participated in a zoom graduation this weekend for a person who's a fan of the show. They, they had me come and do like a commencement speech and it was really cute, oh, cute, but I'm, but I'm sure it was like, not what had been planned. You know what I mean? And like, that's, that's what I mean by, you know, there's all kinds of people who are just having like their plans and everything they imagine kind of falling off for them right now. Yeah. Shit on. Uh, yes. I believe the phrase is <laughs> shit on. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would say when, uh, when Gavin, we're on a first name basis, now me and the governor of California, um, <laughs> when Gavin, like last week, like I had, I had the end of, I had quarantine being lifted on March 15th, like in my calendar, like I was May like 5th, looking, May 15th. That's right. I don't know what time is Aaron. Okay. It began with an M. I got the month sure, sure. basically right. Thank you so much. Um, but when that happened, I, I remember being like, like I put that in my calendar. I was like looking forward to it. And I was like, you know, like trotting towards it. So I feel like he personally betrayed me when he continued the lockdown order. Like, like that Tuesday, I was like, I was like, Oh, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, and I felt that way, I think specifically because, because that was something to look forward to, you know, like, so even though he's re I, I actually felt like it was a framing issue. It's like, if he, he had reopened the trails, he did some stuff and he's going to be like lifting the lockdown slowly is the idea here. And if he had been like, okay, like, 
May 15th, we're opening the trails and then like, we'll phase in the other stuff slowly. I think I would have been like, yeah. But the fact that he, he, I felt like he took away, you know, the, the idea of, um, of freedom for me. (laughs) (laughs) Alyssa, have you had similar feelings around, um, the governor of New York and plans and do you feel that, that way about get? Do you how do you feel about Gab? How do you feel about Andrew? We're gonna we're all. I have to say, you know, it's like I have coastal envy because you guys are further ahead than we will ever be here in New York. And so when I hear you kvetch about May fifteenth, I mean, I think we're looking at like July fifteenth at this point. Like my, I can't tell you the rage, and I I can because I tweeted about it the other day. But so New York is broken up into like seven different regions and I live in the capital region and the capital region in, in New York, the governor has set up seven metrics that each region has to meet before they can start reopening. And the capital region has one metric left. That's it. We are so fucking close to being able to do drive by retail or whatever it means. And I went to the store the other day and people were just like not wearing masks, like not even just not wearing masks. The woman was like, I fucking dare you to stop me. Like I'm not wearing a mask. And I'm like, what fucking assholes you are. You're trying to take away my like phase reopening. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so I don't have any optimism about when I'm going to be able to do normal things. Um, So I have like a very specific way of dealing. (laughs) And it's like, and it is about plans. Like you guys, I wrote books about how plans make me exist. Like, um, like this has been like a lot, but so I've just made things much more bite-sized, you know, like you were saying, uh, the other night, my hubs and I were watching the trailer for the King of Staten Island, which I think comes out June 2nd. And I just like, put that in the calendar and sent him an iCal invite. I'm like, we're going to, this is, <laughs> we're going to look forward to this. We're going to watch it on June 2nd. And the, like going to the grocery store. Basically, I just don't do anything random anymore. Mm. It's like there's this one grocery store I love, Hawthorne Farm, uh, Hawthorne Farm Store. And we go on Saturdays. We get there by 11 because you have to socially distance and the line can be very long. And I get two foods that we're really looking forward to. I get their pizza dough. And it's like, I know it sounds really lame, but that's, those are like the plans I make. It's like, I'm going to go to the store that day. That means we're going to have pizza on Monday night. That's something to look forward to. And so those are my, those are, those are the kinds of plans that I make. Like I said before, you know, I think that my neighbor and I looked at the weather forecast on Saturday and set up our social distancing for Wednesday. (laughs) So we had something to look forward to. And that is, it's like, it's like, there's no spontaneity because it ruins your ability to look forward to something. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I'm at. Every, everyone I know sounds like they're living in a retirement community in Florida. Totally. (laughs) Because they're, you guys, I'm even dressed like I'm running for condo board chair of Boca Del Vista. (laughs) It's literally like I talked, I talked to a neighbor of mine and I was like, and I was like, so what did you do this weekend? Oh, we walked around the block. We took a drive. <laughs> like we saw a mountain. It was love. We went to the store. We got some pizza dough. Like if you just, you know, if you yes. if you put it in, you know, Seinfeld's parents' accent, all of a sudden you're right there. <laughs> you're right there in Boca Raton, Florida, you know? Right here. And yeah. same. I, I, I'm the same. And I'm the same. I, I have done that. I, I strung out an entire an entire week, you know, on, uh, on the idea of eating a big meal of Indian food. And it was just like, my whole week was like strung out on like making the various I get dishes. It. So yes, small things. 
Yeah. I mean, going back to the plans thing, I think another thing kind of, or what, what Alyssa was saying about the plans thing, um, something that is really frustrating about it is the knowledge that the thing in between the strange unmoored now and a time when we might be able to make plans again are people who just can't put up with they, they just can't deal with it. Like people who are like bursting out of their houses to go get, you know, to protest and uh, people who, who are like demanding that stay at home orders be lifted on them in their States, even though they don't, you know, even though they don't have any reason to believe that the pandemic is under control there. Um, having to rely on other people who are like the dumbest motherfuckers alive to act right. So that eventually the people who are acting right can go out and enjoy life is super frustrating. Like there was a, uh, we went to, they opened up the beaches in California for exercise, which I think is very fair considering what we know about the way that the disease spreads, um, enclosed indoor spaces with people with uncovered mouths. Okay, cool. So they open up outdoor spaces for people to be active as long as they cover their mouths. I think that is, I hate wearing a mask, but I do it. And I think that's fair. So we go to the beach to go on a walk and, there are people just out in big groups sunbathing. It's like, we're never going to, we're never going to get through this because people are just not going to be able to follow the rules. And I can't make a plan to like go visit my family until like I have some idea that it's going to be like somewhat safe. And my family is in Wisconsin. So like, I don't know. They're, they're all like knuckleheads there. It's, it's very, very frustrating. Have either of you tried to make any travel plans to visit anybody or to go anywhere? I had weddings. Yeah. I had weddings canceled. Like I was supposed to be in London in the summer, like two family weddings also canceled and, uh, you know, and not rescheduled. And then, um, I'm just going to go to India and also no. And then, as I said, per my email, I was going to go to Tahiti because it just sounds great. Why not? Um, but that's really just a pipe dream. Have you heard about people who have gotten stranded in beautiful places? Like they left right as the pandemic was started because they're like, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. <laughs> Are we going to be stuck in America? And then they, I, there was this New York Times article that was like really schadenfreude delicious because there was like some people who were like, we got to go to Nicaragua. It's going to be beautiful. And then they go down there and it's like, no, you're not on vacation. You live here now. Now you live in, now you live in Nicaragua. (laughs) You can't leave. Welcome. Yeah. You live here now. Figure out how to eat. Like there is a... Sorry, I don't know. We should be laughing. So it is kind of funny, though. Like, if it were something that had happened to someone I know and they were telling me this story, I would be like, You dumbass, that's hilarious. Well, because here's the thing those people thought they were going to, like, what game a pandemic? Like, I mean, you thought you were just going to be able to go. Like, I know someone tangentially through Instagram who did this. And she, let me tell you, in the beginning, she's like, OMG, like, the pictures were so fucking obnoxious, especially because it was like still snowing up here. She's like, here we are on the beach, hashtag isolation now. And they're like, are there a hot mess? I mean, there's like nothing left on the island. And, you know, they're like, they're talk about isolated. It's like the four of them in some, like, granted, they're in a hotel, but the hotel's like shut down for all intents and purposes. So anyway, I'm not going to say I enjoyed it, but just going to say you can't game a pandemic. Yeah. Like there's nowhere to go. That's the thing that's so frustrating and like that, that I think is so hard for people to grasp is like, you can't, you can't go anywhere. There's nowhere to escape it. Like there were people in New York city who were going to the Hamptons 
like, oh yeah, the, yeah. the, the disease won't get us here. It's like, no, it will. It can, and it uh, will. Uh, and you brought it. Yeah. You're the one who brought it. Like that's the, yeah. My dad was in, uh, England. So he was in, Eng- like he had gone and then the pandemic happened and then he just didn't book his return flight. I do think there's, isn't there a thing about like, uh, if you're a citizen or something, you're allowed to repatriate back to your country. Um, I think, but then you have to re-quarantine, you have to quarantine for a period of time. This is a, I think. Another thing that makes it so difficult is like everywhere the rules are different and they're always changing. Right. And like, that's another thing right. that fucks with plans is like, yeah, of course, listening to public health officials, there's no way for them to possibly put a target date on anything. And so of course this has to change as we learn more and stuff. And, but every country has different rules. And in the U S sometimes their rules are different from city to city. Like from like in Wisconsin, for example, like Milwaukee had a stay at home order, I think put back in place after the state Supreme court decided the governor didn't have a right to declare a state of emergency that lasted as long as it did. Um, it, it just like, you know, and your dad, Kieran, was, is he still in the UK? Yeah. How long has he been? How yeah, long has he Months, months, months. He can't come been. back at all? I mean, I think that technically he could, but I think he was just like, oh, you're, I think it's one of those things where you're like, well, we're here and it's kind of the same everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida's reopening. I mean, Florida's going into phase one on Monday, I think, you know, but it's, it, they are doing a phased, like a phased reopening. And there are a lot of precautions being taken. Like if a school reopens, a preschool reopens or whatever the thing is, you know? Um, so yeah, everyone's in a different, everyone's literally actually in a, in a different phase. Like everyone in my family is in a different, just depending on where they live, <laughs> Yeah. I saw that the, I think an official in Los Angeles, um, his wife went to Arizona so she could get a pedicure and yeah, (laughs) cause in Arizona, there's like no, no like rules around that compared to the rules here. So she went to Arizona and like posted a bunch of pictures to Facebook that were like, it's nice to be normal again. And it's like, Oh my God, what are you doing? And it's like, please don't bring back whatever you caught at the nail salon. Or like, I hope you didn't bring something to the nail salon, which is right. right. Just as light. I mean, maybe more likely because there's more cases. That's the thing. You know what last weekend really, and I guess there are just two kinds of people in the world, but last weekend when so many of the college graduations would have been happening, I looked on Twitter and University of Wisconsin, class of 98, uh, UW for their graduates who obviously couldn't graduate. They, um, lit up Camp Randall and they did, they played the, they had the band play the graduation song and they did this whole like sort of video. And like, it was very emotional. And I was like, you know what? It's like, I'm doing my part because I had my graduation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like other people next year or in a couple months should have that chance. And if we don't all do our part, you know, I want to do my part because I want women who have babies to be able to have visitors in the hospital again someday. Like, I guess I just think it's so fucking selfish for people who can't uh, control their id. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean. It is. I mean, I I pointed this out on Twitter that it's funny that that people who are consider consider it tyranny for them not to be able to get a haircut are like the same people who think it's fine to like not let women have abortions. 
Um, or to right. make a woman drive six hours to get, you know, and wait two days to have an abortion. It's just like the moral inconsistency is really mind boggling. But off of the college thing, um, this week, my like group of friends from college, our text chain lit up because my alma mater, Notre Dame, is going to start classes on August 10th. That's the plan. I saw that. In-person classes, August 10th. There's going to be no fall break and this, the term ends right before Thanksgiving. And then everybody just gets to go home. I mean, I think that that is a very wildly optimistic thing for them to do. But on the other hand, they have to make a plan. Like, you know, right. life yeah. you know, along all this uncertainty, you know, people like, you know, entities like universities, like people who are starting families, people still have to make plans among all this uncertainty. So like, what are people supposed to do? Are we just supposed to, do you know what I mean? Like, do you think that colleges should make plans to reopen understanding that they might have to reverse course? And I I mean, I think that you make a good point because part of me wonders, like, I think that there is a small minority of people who are probably being very selfish, but I wonder if there is a larger population of people who feel like if they feel so out of control, like, you know, I can't do anything or I feel like people have like, it's one thing and then it's another thing and then it's another thing and then it's another thing. So I might, I have to do something. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like the fat, the social fabric of trust in a government official or in the person who's telling you what's in charge, you know, who's in charge is, is really imperative for everyone to buy in and participate. And if the, if this is going to be 18 months, 24 months, 36 months, whatever the situation is, what is, what is, what is the plan? Uh, like as a nation is the plan phased reopenings, at restaurants at 25% capacity is the plan. Like, let's just keep everything closed until it's totally gone forever, you know? And, and that's, you know, and then obviously that has massive repercussions on like the holding pattern that we have all been in for our, like every single person has been in for their, you know, this, this time period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think people get nervous cause it's like, what am I going to do about my paycheck? What am I going to do? Like, is my business right. going to fall apart is, you know, cause one or two months is one thing, but once you start to get into, oh, it might be through all of the fall. So people can't attend college or like those, what about those kids who are graduating? What are they going to do about their jobs? You know, like getting it, like, can you imagine graduating right now in, into this economy, like beyond just the graduation? I mean, like being t- like 19 or 20 and, and having to go out into looking like into the workforce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, that's almost unfathomable to me. I, I'd imagine a lot of people are moving home. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, here's the thing, like it, it's really frustrating, I think, because almost literally everywhere in the world, except maybe Brazil is doing a better job at handling this than us. And it sucks <laughs> because we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be this great country of like, you know, can do innovation, you know, put your head down and get it done. doesn't matter how hard it is. And like our inability to handle this is a reflection of a a complete failure of leadership, but also a failure of our collective ability to take care of each other. Because like you look at a place like uh, South Korea, New Zealand, um, Norway, those are all places that the citizens accepted a really, like really like draconian things like social tracing, contact tracing, which 
I got an alert on my citizen app earlier this week. That's like, would you like to be one of the people that does contact tracing? And I don't think enough Americans are going to do that. Um, in New Zealand, when things started getting better, the prime minister, who is, I think a 39 year old woman, uh, locked the country down even harder. And now it's gone. It's they've solved it. It's gone. it's gone right? because everybody listened. Everybody did it. And it's like, you know, we can't be a little pregnant here. We have to like do it or don't do it. And now we're kind of half doing it and it's the worst of both worlds. And it feels like it's so frustrating and it's so easy to like get angry at individual people who are making choices that endanger the progress of overcoming the disease. But really it's, it's a failure of leadership because we don't have people setting good examples, I think. Right. Well, I mean, think about it. We have a president who just this week, I mean, it's like, you can't even keep up with what's happened this week, but he's like, he denied, there's no denying that so much of the mindset that so many of these people that we see who are flaunting, uh, the sort of, uh, protections that are being put in place are people who listen to him. It's like, we got to open up. We got to open up. Well, we all, this is the thing I, I just think is so fundamentally misunderstood and misrepresented in uh, the news, I guess. We all want to open. I want to get back to being able to like hang out with my niece or get a job. I mean, like talk about plans. I had a bunch of speaking things that were my income for the summer. Mm. They're never coming back. How many people just have things that are never coming back and are trying to look forward to being able to go, like I say, I'm like looking forward to go to the grocery store this weekend. I'm lucky. I have the money to go to the grocery store. Like, like there's just, it is, it is like, Erin, you're just so right. It is a failure from the top. If any other person, let's make it another Republican. Mitt, Mitt Romney. Romney. Okay. Let's make the president Mitt Romney. I would love that. Honestly, he, I think that would be great right now. He does not represent many of my beliefs, but I have no doubt he'd be wearing a fucking mask instead of taking hydroxychloroquine for fucking shits. Okay. That is what Donald Trump is doing. He is taking it for shit. And, and the FDA had to come out and say again, like, Hey, everybody, only take it if you're in a hospital with a doctor. And he calls it FDA. Trump haters putting that statement out. And that's the problem is that if you have people who listen to the president, which is reasonable people listening to a president, they're like, yeah, it's just, a, it's a fucking hoax. Like we're not going to die here. And the funny thing about schools is that, yeah, there are not a lot of cases. There are not as many cases in the Midwest as there are in New York or in California or in Chicago. But when schools open up colleges specifically, you're not saying the kids from New York can't go to college if the college opens. Like if the university of Nebraska opens up, are you saying the kids from New York can't come because you know, whatever. So they're misunder, they're totally misunderstanding that by killing everything now and taking this so seriously, it will enable things to open back up and for kids to go back to school and for people to go back to work and for people whose jobs d demand travel to be able to reasonably get on a plane again. Anyway, they're so fucking selfish and awful. I can't handle it. One of the things that I do find very challenging is like, I remind, I remind myself that it's like, like it is hard to feel grateful for, you know, when you get into a car accident, like that's a big thing. I've gotten into a couple of massive car accidents. Great driver. Um, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> but like five minutes before you get into a car accident, you're not in a car accident, right? And it's like, right. I, I, when you're in the accident, 
like, and you've just had this like massive fender bender or whatever happens, you look back to like, man, things were so great five minutes ago, or things were so great 10 minutes before, but it's very hard to appreciate when you're driving that you're not in a car accident. And, Mm -hmm. and I, and that's, it's hard to appreciate when something doesn't happen, right? Like, so it's hard to appreciate that you didn't get a parking ticket. It's hard to appreciate that COVID isn't in your town or the people that you know, aren't dying. Like if you're stuck at home and you're not seeing the consequences of the reason why you're stuck at home, I think that that's a little bit of a mind fuck. Like I, I still struggle with that on like, you know, in terms of like gratitude or whatever, while I stew alone here, you know, in my house, (laughs) it's like, (laughs) but I, I struggle with that on stuff. Like remember to be, remember to be happy that, you know, you didn't get into a car accident or remember to be happy that you didn't get a ticket. Like these, those kinds of little things. And I feel like COVID is a massive example of that. So if, if, if this was an outbreak, like scenario, like a, like Hollywood movie vibes, like people were seeing the repercussions everywhere around them. And it was really, I feel like the compliance would be higher, but I wonder if at least part of the reason why people don't feel the imminent threat is because they cannot see it, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's very hard to wrap our heads around this, like, intellectual idea of like, no, but the reason you're not seeing it is because we're taking this collective action. So we're stopping, we're stopping a bad thing from happening Mm -hmm. as opposed to, or a a thing from getting worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. I was thinking this week, I watched Contagion because I just, I'm the only one in America who hasn't watched it yet. And I'm not all the way through, but as I was watching it, <laughs> you stopped. And then you're not all the way through. I mean, I mean, I know you just got to power through that. I know how it ends. You're I like, wanna, I'm watching it in chunks. I'm watching it in, I'm watching it in chunks. No, I started watching it and then I think I went to, I fell asleep. Um, but the, one thing I thought was like, oh, you know, the, the plague in Contagion is like kind of gross. Like people have convulsions yeah. and they throw up and there's like something that is like really, and like other things that have killed off lots of people have also been gross. Like the bubonic plague was fucking disgusting. Like things that, you know, Ebola is a really horrifying thing to to see. This is something that's like, oh yeah, you get like glass particle-like formations inside of your lungs that never go away and you drown in your own body. That's something that we don't really like we can't see the disease isn't like something right. that if you saw a picture of somebody who was dying of COVID, apart from the fact that in, in a lot of cases, they're hooked up to a bunch of machinery. It's not like they have sores. And I almost think right. that it would be easier for people to understand if we could, like, it would be easier for people to understand the repercussions of them not respecting rules. If there was a more, like people were more visibly, sick and I'm not complaining. I'm, it is a horrible disease. No, but it's very true because, because the problem is when they show people who have it on TV, it goes to the, the sort of COVID deniers when they're like, it looks just like the flu or right. It looks just like it physically, if you have it, even with the tubes, it's like, yeah, it's like a bad flu. Or it's like you know? when Idris had it and Idris was just like, I've got COVID-19 I'm in my house. And he's just normal. He's fine. He, you, there's no, He's like, yeah, can't feel anything. Just got COVID. So take it serious. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that, 
that's that was him with it. It's there's also an uncertainty, right? Some people get it terrible, like really bad. It's like mm-hmm. 75 uh-huh. to 80% of people might recover and be fine, but then there's a percentage of people that would be a massive amount of of death in this country if mm-hmm. you know all of the people if all of those people got it but it's it because it's also a little bit of a a luck of the draw of what happens if you get it you know i think yeah. that also makes right. it people are like well i'll just roll the dice then because the odds are in my favor or or Aaron i remember you know when i saw you before before the quarantine happened i remember you were talking about flattening the curve and you said you know that i think you were talking to somebody in your family who works in healthcare and you're like there was a point at which the news cycle was saying everyone's going to get it. And this is about flattening the curve, you know, like, and I don't know if that's true anymore because I can't feel my face. Um, (laughs) so, but that's a, that's a, you know, I, I I wonder if that plays into it too, this idea of the gamble Mm -hmm. because of the severity. Yeah. I mean, you know what else, another game where the odds are in your favor, Russian roulette. Mm. <laughs> so like let's not let's be a little bit let's let's be realistic here it's like a, a shishito pepper plate where one out of what one out of five people will be permanently damaged or killed by the shishito pepper it's like not a risk that it is okay for us to take even though it is no. canceling all of our plans and it is fucking with our psyches. I, um, Alyssa, I like your idea of writing down cultural events in the calendar when something's hitting a streaming service. Love that. I'm telling you. It <laughs> I is, think that it is. You should have seen this house the day Mrs. America came out. It was like, clear the decks. We are watching it IRL. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was, it does it. And it's, it's, it is truly like enjoyable. It does give you something to look forward to if you're willing to be that basic. So, uh, I guess out, out in 2020, big plans in, in 2020, little plans. We have to take a break though, uh, a planned break. And when we come back, we have a plan to talk about sanity corner. (laughs) See you guys in a sec. With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. And welcome back. We've reached the part of the show where we all share with you some tips on trying to stay sane. It is Sanity Corner. Um, One Sanity Corner for us, for all of us, I think, over these last several weeks has been Hysteria Movie Club, which has been super fun. It's where we watch a movie that is old, not old, but like 10 years old or more. We rewatch it with fresh eyes, decide, you know, whether it holds up and, you know, what kind of people we're watching on screen. And it's a lot of fun. This week we did The Social Network. You can catch that on Crooked Media's YouTube page on Sundays we post it. So catch us talking about The Social Network with a bona fide Harvard graduate, Kieran Deal. What, what? I didn't know. I it's, a lot, it's, a lot of fun. it's a lot of fun. You guys should definitely tune in if you want to hear us go off on Mark Zuckerberg. Um, Alyssa, do you want to start Sanity Corner this week? Yeah. So my sanity corner is having very small things to look forward to. Okay. And so on Tuesdays, I watch Hysteria Movie Club movie. And on Mondays, this is like, there are not a lot of nights where there are things to look forward to, but uh, on 
and Sunday nights, uh, I watch 90 day fiance and I realize that I'm one of many, many people that this has become a thing that the show has never done better. But I even have my hubs watching it with me now too. Cause that's the thing. It's like, we're in the house together. And so it's so much more fun to watch something with someone. And so I've literally been like, don't you want to watch? And so now we watch and, uh, he has very fun commentary. Like, wait a minute, is this the sex tourist? And I was like, no, he's coming up next. <laughs> um, so that my fun, honestly, is, is all of the iterations of 90 day fiance. It's 90 day fiance before the 90 days. Where are they now? And pillow talk, which is hands down the best, uh, the best version, but that's what I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm watching trash television, uh, <laughs> but I'm not DV, I DVR it. So I can watch it a second time if we talk too much during it, but that's it. That's it. It's, it's communal television watching on Sundays to 90 day fiance. I haven't seen you in a while, Alyssa. Are you still enjoying the company of your husband? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean look tight, i have tight, to tight. wait i have to show you guys i have to show you guys because it's right here this is our countdown calendar of how many days we've been here it's like in prison but like we're not in prison <laughs> we're at day uh 68 wow. today's day 68 that we've been alone together in the house i will say and i stipulate up front i love him another small sanity corner is that uh when we tape here today um, he usually takes a drive back down to, uh, Manhattan to check our mail and get packages. And, you know, like when we came up here, we didn't think we were going to be here for a whole two new seasons of clothing. And so, uh, he takes a trip down and honestly, it's nice. <laughs> that is nice. Um, it's nice. That is nice. Uh, my sanity corner is, is pretty simple this week. Um, I've really gotten into bleaching surfaces in my house. Like once I get cool. back from a grocery run, you put everything away and then you clean up and then you wipe things down with bleach and the place smells. I like that. It smells like bleach. I, I get it. I don't know if I've lost my mind, but I like that. It I bleach the, uh, light switches and all the things that people like doorknobs and all that. It feels very like, whew, it's clean now. You're like, we can sit down now and enjoy. Yeah, exactly. I get it. How are your taste buds? Are you, can you still taste stuff? Oh, I don't taste the bleach. So you're fine. <laughs> I'm fine. It's like, yeah. but you're not she inhaling was, it. You're not like inhaling it. And then you're like, what is this? Is this no, mayonnaise? She is this didn't take, salad? She, <laughs> are these eggs? She didn't take presidential guidance <laughs> and try to inject it no. or drink it. No. She just uses it to de-infect sur disinfect surface. Yeah, no, exactly. Licking it, Karen, she's fine. No, I'm fine. I'm not, I'm not licking the bleach yet. All right, Karen, what's your sanity corner this week? Lick bleach. Lick bleach. <laughs> no, I'm just, no, we can't even joke about that now, really. No. Um, I, um, as you know, have always been an advocate of staring at walls. Um, but now, um, I, I mean, I just started reading one of Samantha Irby's books. Oh, and, um, it's the, we'll never talk in real life. Oh, it's, yeah. it's one of the older ones. And I, I just didn't know about her as an author and uh, she's fantastic. So I feel like I've made a new discovery of someone that is hilarious and funny. And like, I look forward to hearing her point of view. So I've discovered some good comedic female authors and that's been really nice. That's great. So many books are hmm. sad. 
So many books. Are, it's yes, true. Especially like I love reading first novels. I love buying first novels and reading first novels to like support the writers because novel writing sounds horrible. And a lot of first novels are like, we have to unleash all the tragedies in this book. And I'm like, <laughs> I, there's a book that I finished that it's a good book, but I had to stop because it was just like, I just stop and like take a breath and it was just like too much tragedy. So it's good to like find funny books, I think right now. Yeah. Funny sure. books are nice or like light, some, some light content is really fun, you know, mm-hmm. so Funny books. Yeah. Never Have I Ever, also Mindy Kaling's new show. Oh, that was great. Yeah. That's a really fun series. She did a great job. All the actors are fantastic on it. That's And it's fun. And they, they it feels light oh. and fun. You know what else is light and fun? For anyone who cares, the new Amy Schumer cooking show with her husband, Amy Schumer Learns to Cook. It's fucking hysterical <laughs> because it's exactly what you, it's like what you want from her, but her husband is also uh, funny and charming. And I learned how to make two recipes that were like very easy. Really? Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. I, I need some people to replace some certain cooks who I no longer am really going to be following the recipes of. Oh, I well, like how dark Let that me tell sounded. you. <laughs> I don't know what it Amy meant. Schumer's husband, he can cook. M- Mr. Amy Schumer. Got it. Mr. Amy Mr. Schumer, Schumer, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Not of the Chuck variety. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Although they are related. What? Yeah, yes. they're like cousins. Right? They're, he's like second cousins or something like yeah. that. Uh, Amy and Chuck are cousins. Power family. Amy Schumer and Chuck Schumer for people not following our, friend, our cousins. <laughs> all right. On that note, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Hysteria. Thanks to Alyssa Mastermonico for calling in. Thanks to Kieran Deal. And thanks to Katie Hill for joining us for the news segment. And thanks to all of you for listening. There will be more Hysteria next week. Hysteria is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Malconian for filming and editing our video content every week. naturally aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag. Ah, it's nice to dream about cheese for a bit. Tillamook cheddar, extraordinary dairy.